Hello everyone, and today welcome to Music of Mass Destruction. I'm Adam, and I'm here with my co-host Amir. Nice to meet you guys. How are you guys all doing? Today we're going to talk about the rise and fall of a very popular band, UK band, you guys may know them, called Askin Alexandria. Oh, we're going to have so much to talk about this. So this is going to be episode one, season one of our podcast. So, without further ado, let's not waste any time, and let's get into this. So, Amir, what do you think whenever you think of Asking Alexandria? When I hear the term, or the name, Asking Alexandria, I usually think of a bunch of has-beens. And I mean that in probably the least offensive way possible. Because this is a band that has seen such greatness... They produce masterpieces of singles and albums. And yet, over the last few years, it's felt that though something's been missing from the band. It's almost like, you know, let's take, let's take for example, their, their first three records. You know, uh, Reckless and Relentless, Stand Up and Scream, and uh, From Death to Destiny. Those three albums were like, they were so great. And, you know, when the band started out, the these three records were, were pretty much how they found their sound, you know? Because when, whenever you start, a, whenever bands like to start their own thing, you know, everyone likes to try to find their unique sound. So, when I say Alexandria probably formed, they found their own sound. And, you know, when Danny was leading the band, you know, he led them in a great direction. But, uh, honestly, after he left the band... I think it was after the release of uh, From Death to Destiny. That was 2013, I believe. Um, he went on to form another band. I'm sure you know them. They're called uh, We Are Harlot. Listen to the band. Freaking love them. I thought they sounded great. They had their own style. And I think another reason Danny said he ended up leaving the band was just because he doesn't he doesn't like being he didn't like doing the heavy metal style anymore. Right. And, you know, whenever he formed Harlot, he moved into like more of a kind of a kind of a hard rock type of style rather than like a metal style. And with their style of Harlot, it sounded freaking incredible. Like take the song Denial, for example. That was the first song I ever heard by them. And Danny still has he still used his iconic voice, you know, just like Renaska and Alexandria. Well, when you take two years after that, because they released their debut album in 2015, let's move forward to 2017. That's when they, that's when Dennis Stoff had left the band because he took over as singer after, you know, after with the Danny Black. left with yeah. the Black. Yeah, that's also a really good record. See, here's here's the thing when it comes to Asking Alexandria. I think Danny, I get that he didn't want to do the the hardcore metal. Uh, music anymore yet he still has some type of drive some type of passion you look at Stand Up and Scream and Reckless and Relentless you look at those albums and they were pretty similar in sound but they all had their you know unique and even from Death to Destiny he wrote about some very personal things on those albums he was going through his battle with alcoholism he had a drive in his voice and his voice was getting damaged I can understand why he wouldn't want to do the screams anymore 
but like you said, with with Harlan, he kept it at uh, specifically a rock sound because that's the phase he was going through at the time. He loved rock music. He grew up on rock music, and that's what he always wanted to sing. And he had the style and the appearance and the voice for rock music. He had his own sound. Like with, with We Are Harley, he had his own sound. And it was it was the type of music that he was happy doing now. And honestly, like after he left after he left AA, pretty much whenever Dennis joined the band, like I remember telling you this like a while back, was when when Dennis originally joined the band, I didn't like him. I didn't like him at all. Just because yeah, just because, you know, we've all had we've all had those bands, you know, that we when they lose their original singer, they feel like the band is like nothing after that. That's not the case with everything, and that's going to be... We're going to save that topic for another for another episode. But the point is, is that... When Dennis originally joined the band, I hated him at first. Just because, you know, I wasn't really accustomed to that change. But... Whenever seeing uh, Danny join uh, Make Harlot... And actually finding his own, you know, his own band with his own sound he was comfortable doing... Eventually, Dennis kind of grew on me with The Black whenever they released the album The Black that was 2016 I pretty much I started I started actually accepting who he, who he was as a singer and eventually I grew to actually love his singing for the band and he was keeping the band like really really heavy in their style but he was doing it in his own way so I think things were really good at that point I had accepted him as a singer you know Danny was off doing things with Harlot and it looked like things were looking up and then we get to when Dennis left the band and Danny rejoined the band, which we thought was going to be a really great thing. And, you know, honestly, in, at the end of the day, it is. You know, we have, you have, they have the original singer back in the band. But starting with their 2017 album, because they released a self-titled album right after Danny rejoined the band. And honestly... I was listening to it and it just didn't sound like the original AA. Now there were a few hidden gems in that album, like Into the Fire. Into the Fire was probably one of the best songs on the album. Uh, room 138, even Alone in the Room, you know, they're, those are songs that they don't typically go in the style of Ashton Banjo, they're more of a hard rock sound, but they actually work really well. You yeah, know, I I think I I felt that though if he continued with that sound, with the hard rock rock sound that you found in Into the Fire, because he even did some screams in some of those songs. You yeah. know, Into the Fire, Room One Thirty Eight. It wasn't but, as much as, as as the previous albums as people would probably would have liked. You know, really really hardcore fans of of the band. Right. But it was at least something, you know. Right. But with this transition. I felt as though Danny had lost his energy that he once had in the band. Now, in the past, maybe he had, um, you know, taken on drugs or alcohol to get that type of energy. But at the same time, he never really found that passion again. seemed kind of bored playing on stage and you can see it in a lot of recent light performances there's no energy he doesn't scream during the old song that he performed from Stand Up and Scream or Reckless and Relentless or even from Death to Destiny I mean 
I get that the guy had damaged vocal cord, but he can still scream. And we see an example of this in the Mish Flucker uh, memorial show where he performed The Price of Beauty with Suicide Silence. Oh, I remember that. His, I remember that. His screams were just as beautiful as ever. Maybe even better than what they were previously. Yet, his performances with Ask Now is Andrea, at this point, it just seemed like he's in it for the popularity and the money. I mean, and I know it's kind of a selfish thing to say, but there's no there's no passion there. It's just it's all just appealing to the mass. Whereas the original fans, they're absolutely they absolutely despise his music now because that's not the Danny that they grew up with. Yeah, because even with Harley, you know, like it was two years after he had left the band, they released their debut album. He still had his same iconic voice, and although he wasn't doing like you know his his big metal screams like he did in AA, you know. He's, you could tell, like, just two years after he had left the band, he still had that range, you know? But, like, with their self-titled and even their upcoming album, I think it's called um, Like a House on Fire, <laughs> they're, they've only released two singles from their new album, which is supposed to come out, like, around May of this year in 2020. I absolutely hate them both. I think it's three singles. Two or three singles, yeah. But, honestly, I, I don't like any of them. <laughs> What I like about their, their at least their recent song, uh, Anti-Socialist, at yeah. least that has a catchy chorus. I will give Danny credit where credit is due. He does know how to write a damn good chorus. That he does. But what he doesn't know how to do is market. Because he has pushed this album and these singles as some of the best material Ashkin Alexandria has released. You know, they, I remember at one point, Building up to the release of the single, they had that little phone number you could text, you know, send you updates, and you know, it was kind of cryptic. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you know, what's gonna happen with Asking Alexandria? And then the bomb dropped. And my God, was it a disaster. <laughs> the violence, it was a clear ripoff of that Jaden Smith song. Oh my God. That's the common point of that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I the, remember the, that. The rip is exactly the same. You know it's it's just in a different it's just in a different like different different speed and I'm different gonna, tone. I'm gonna go out on a limb. All right, this is controversial, but I'm gonna say it anyway. The Jaden Smith song is way better. <laughs> I'm a rock fan, like through and through. But that song was absolutely garbage compared to Jaden Smith's <laughs> song. There was no rhythm, no structure in that song whatsoever. And it just sounded like he was mumbling the entire time. Like, dude, even if you listen to uh, uh, what's their what's their newest song that just came out, uh, Anti Socialist? Yeah. Even in that song, you know, even though it's like it's not as bad as the as the other single or two that came out. If you listen to like if you try to even listen closely in the in the soundtrack of that music, you can't you can hardly hear any of the instruments playing. That's another point I wanted to bring up. The mixing of this new album seem to be absolutely terrible. I'm not sure who they're working with as far as producers go, or if they're having some type of say in it themselves. Like, if, if they're playing a part in producing this album, they should know that the fans want to hear some guitar. They want to hear the drums, clearly. They don't want to be overridden with Danny's voice. You know, it's not the Danny Warsnob experience. It's asking Alexandria. And I 
think that they should definitely go back, maybe work on some mixing. Well, I mean, I guess they can't really go back now and delay it, but maybe release an acoustic version of the song or some type of remix to make it sound better and more appealing. Because right now, the single they've released, terrible mixing, no energy, just no enthusiasm. It, it, it doesn't have the same flow as, as the first three albums did. And even like even, even the black, even the black, yeah, like because you know even with Dennis leading the band, you know at least the the black still had the, the same that same asking Alexandra substance, you know, like although it was a different face and a different voice, the way the style of their music was, you could tell that it was they were still trying to keep to their roots, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and the black, it, it got a lot of hate at first from fans because they didn't like the change, but you look back at it and you, especially now. Fans are begging Dennis to come back and affiliate himself with Asking Alexandria in some way. And honestly, I, I don't, I don't think he actually will. I mean, um, I mean, he has I, his own band. Yeah, I don't know what his new band that he actually he's actually in now. But I know after he left the band, he uh, he actually ended up joining another band or forming another band, and they're out doing their own thing right now. I haven't heard much about them as of right now, but but honestly, guys, you know. To, to wrap up this little subject for for asking Alexandria is, I just really hope that you know sometime in the near future they they, they need they need to find who they are again because you know with the way Danny's been doing their music you know for their past two albums you know it's like take for example take Moving On which is the last single they released from from Death to Destiny freaking incredible song now compare that song. And that was the last album that Danny was on before he left the band. Now compare that with the violence and the anti-socialist. That's not the same person. It's really not the same person. So, you know, I don't. Do you have anything else you'd like to say on the subject, real quick? Uh, not really. I guess if anything, we could we could see where he was going. We knew the transition was coming. We just didn't expect one that was so dramatic, you know? Yeah, big time. Such a big change. Maybe he should have implemented a few different changes, you know? Figure what works, figure out what works and what doesn't work. To sum up for me, pretty much, I still love the band. I still love all their music, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I still love all their music, but honestly... I think, you know, after they release their next album, which is going to be next month, I believe, uh, I will listen to it. I'm not going to buy it right away, but I will give the album a chance, you know, just because just because there's one bad apple doesn't mean the whole thing is rotten, you know? Right. So, may, who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll actually surprise us or something, but I'll give the album a chance. But honestly, the way it's looking right now, I just think they really need to take a step back and they need to find who they are again because... The way they're going, that's not who the band is. At least personally for me and you. So anyway, uh, switching topics now. So here's here's a topic that's going to be a little bit shorter than the one we just did about Aston Alexandria. We'll talk about the bands and artists that we listen to that take long gaps between their records. Specifically, the three-year ones. Because I gotta tell you this, I hate when bands 
take three years or more to release a new record. And there's quite a few of them, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this. Like, see, Ghost is doing it right now, too, even though Ghost is probably my favorite band right but now. Ghost, over the last few years, they've released multitude of albums. Yeah, they've... Uh, so I don't blame them for taking a little bit of an extended break, yeah, this, this with all the crap. Yeah, this is only the second record they've actually done it on, because the first two they didn't do it with. And with their third and fourth record, they, they ended up just taking the time. I'm fine with that. And, you know, with this one, their their next album is going to be next year. But it's not even just them, you know. It's, uh, let's see, it's Three, Day, Three Days Grace does it. Because, you know, I, I guess they're trying to still, you know, even though Matt is the lead singer of the band, now that Adam's gone and he's doing St. Asonio, that's another, that's another topic for another day. Um, you know... I guess with their title Three Days Grace I guess they're trying to live up to the implement of you know releasing albums in threes so uh, Theory of a Dead Man does it uh, let's see who else does it oh my god <laughs> yeah well we're talking about three year gaps in between bands you know you end up having to bring up Tool which you know they released their fifth album last year Fear Inoculum 2019 great, great album, by the way amazing album I just wish it was a little bit longer you know yeah you know for, for 14 years of waiting there was technically only like 7 songs if you're not counting the interludes nothing against Tool because I freaking love Fair Inoculum I, I have the album myself I still listen to it every day but 14 years that's, that's another thing and that wasn't even really almost entirely their fault you know most of it was like legal disputes and things like that and you know, uh, A Perfect Circle did the same thing as well, you know, um, uh, 2004 was their last record, and then 2018, which is 14 years later, they ended up releasing, you know, their fourth album, uh, Eat the Elephant, amazing album, by the way, too, also fronted by Maynard James Keenan. So, what's your, what's your opinion on that? Personally, I just, like, I understand the concept of why bands do it, but personally, I just don't, I personally don't like it, just for the fact that, you know, I don't want to be 17 years old, and then and listen to a band and then be 20 by the time their, their next record comes out. <laughs> as far as the whole gap thing goes, I think there's a good and there's a bad to it. For example, when Five Finger Death Punch were just popping out albums left and right, oh my god, the quality of their music had declined so much and they became kind of a, a meme at that point, to say the least. You know, they were a band associated with gamers and, like, the hardcore monster-shugging guys, you know? Like, I go to the Demolition Derby, I drink Monster, and I dip 24-7. That's the crowd Five Finger Death Punch were, <laughs> were attracted. They just released a new album just early, th- or a little bit this year, too. It's called uh, Fate, which is kind of a weird... Like, the, the name itself I'm not bothered with. It's just the fact of how they styled it. They just put the letter F and the number 8. <laughs> I'm like that. That's kind of like so cliche, you know. And you know that when they take the when they take their time with things, like the cover song, for example, it's always some of the best work they have, especially the earlier albums when they were taking their time with it. And then they had that period where they were just rushing through, trying to pump out albums. And I, I get you know you have a lot of ideas you want to jot it down and you want to get it out to the public, but at the same time. You gotta have a lot of patience when it comes to music. And I think the three year gap, I think it's fine for, you know, certain bands. 
if the album and the quality of your music that you release is going to meet expectations. Like, for example, you know, bands that have a lot of expectations, if they were to release an album, for example, you know, System of a Down. Oh, God. Those guys have let the fans down time and time again with rumors <laughs> and talks of new album releases. And, and reunion shows and, you know, uh, going on tour again with with other bands and things like that and they none of them have come to fruition as far as I know now I'm pretty sure the band is on good terms because you look at John um, he's the drummer for a band called Dayseeker I believe I think I've heard of them he's done collaborations with other guys in the metal community Matt Chattel from Event Sevenfold even his own bandmate Serge Taking and it's a weird one because you're always hearing in the news how those guys are back and forth and their relationship is kind of rocky but then at the same time you know you got them making songs together and it's like so what's it gonna be because you've heard it time and time again oh the reason we're taking a break the reason we're waiting so long to create album is because you know we're not on the same page musically the relationship's iffy and they keep pushing the blame you know pointing fingers in different directions and I think that as a band if you take a break have to come back with something that blows everything out of the water. Not same old, same old, but you know, you need to stick to your roots, but you need to bring something else to the table while you're still trying to maintain your own style, you know? Now, there are some bands who they can stick to their roots, like Breaking Benjamin, for example. They've always had that signature sound. Every single album is a great album from them. You're never going to be let down by them. But there are other bands that have taken three years like okay let's take for example the the break between bullet with my valentine's uh venom and gravity i believe it was a three-year gap it was a three-year gap gravity was a complete letdown for most fans i personally love the album but i can see where a lot of fans didn't like it it didn't have that signature bullet with my and neither did Venom. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of in the middle with, with Gravity, you know. It's um, like it's got a couple of good songs in there, you know, Not Dead Yet, Breathing Underwater. Uh, what was that, Letting You Go? That's probably one of my personal favorites in the album. But, you know, it's getting to the point to where, you know, between, you know, where Venom and Gravity came out. That's a three-year gap right there. I only liked maybe about four or five songs on that album, and... I'm starting to notice that that's kind of like a trend with some of the bands that I've been listening to for a while, is that when they come out with new music, let's say, for example, they have 10 songs on their on, on a new album, about 90% of the time I only like, end up liking about maybe five of those, five of those 10 songs. Which is a shame, really, because there are albums and there are bands who anything, with any work they put out, it's just a masterpiece. Like I said, Breaking Benjamin. Uh, Event Sevenfold for me. A Day to Remember is another band that I think they put out masterpieces. They can be a little hit and miss at times, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm listening to at least a good 80% of the albums. And there are bands who you notice the decline in quality if you don't like it. And I hate to bring this up because I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but African Alexandria, you know, I found on their self titled album. I only liked three songs, Alone in a Room, Into the Fire, in Room 138. On um, The Black, I liked I liked a lot of the songs on there, actually. I liked most of the album because 
it was back to their roots. I have listened to the album that much, but uh, I think I, I think I do like a majority of the songs. Like um, I think I only remember a couple. Like uh, uh, I won't give in, which is I think I won't give in was the first single released from that record. Great, great song. Great, amazing song. It was Dennis's first song that he released with the band, and I thought it was incredible. And then uh, there was a song called Undivided I thought was really, really, really good. Um, yeah, but it's... I don't know, man. It's just... It's, start, it's starting to get really weird with bands releasing albums like that, you know? It's just... I only end up liking about half the, half the albums. Which like, is, half the songs in the albums. Which is such a letdown because... There are so many bands we grew up with, and we listen to their old stuff... We have such high expectations, and I get that band changed their sound over time. And we're about to get into that topic here, and just yet a change of sound should not be a decline of quality. Yeah, it shouldn't. You know, every band should have their own standards, and they need to set them every time. They don't need to. They don't need to try to like try to shoot over the moon with a different direction to try to impress new people they don't need to lower their standards just because they don't think that it'll be good enough you know they need to they just need to have confidence and stay on a level that they're that they're comfortable with and ride the pine and every once in a while you know don't try to shoot over the moon maybe take a step up the ladder like not trying to shoot all the way up but like you know taking one step at a time going up with their quality now, back to that topic of bands changing their sound. Yeah, that, that we're getting into our next topic now. Uh, bands drastically changing up their music styles. Like, whether it's from beginning all the way to cur- probably to current day right now. Um, there are bands that pull this off wonderfully. I think Avenged Sevenfold is a band that does it. Absolutely. You, know, you, look, at from, you look at their album... Uh, Waking the Fallen, and you compare it to their latest work, uh, The Stage, and you can see that there's been a shift in the way they produce music, but uh, I mean, the quality is always going to be up there, and they're always going to be improving with every single album, regardless of the, of the style change. What I hate nowadays is that bands think, if I go more pop, I will become more mainstream. And that's not necessarily true. If anything, I've seen it a lot in the community. The more pop-friendly a band goes, the more fans they end up losing. Again, the dead horse asking Alexandria. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll give you. I'll give you another example. And you can. You're gonna agree with me 100 percent on this. I'm sure. Theory of a Dead Man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> when Theory of Dead Man first started all those years ago I think it was like the early 2000s like, I'm pretty sure it was the early 2000s their music was fantastic they they had found their sound they had that good heavy heavy rock metal sound and then they rode that for a lot of years all the way up until about maybe 2014 they released their album called Savages in 2014 it was the last song the last album to have at least somewhat of any of their old style. 2017 came along with their, uh, what was the album? What was that album called? Um, it's called uh, Wake Up Call, I believe. There was one good song on that album, and everyone knew, probably knows what it is. It's RX Medicaid. It's a great song. That song, like, even though it has, it went in a completely different direction from their previous albums. 
just you know you know the the design of the song and you know the sound quality of it Tyler's vocals his singing it flowed so well and the thing is that he got what he wanted from that song he made it onto the radio he was getting a lot of recognition that song is very popular for the band yet that was just a one in a million example you know a one out of ten it was a formula that they found that they should have stuck with but not every band is gonna find that formula a lot of bands think okay this didn't work now moving on to another extreme but you don't need to do that maybe you need to implement something uh, a little bit at a time maybe throw in some keyboard maybe go a little softer maybe instead of you know being so hard hit and in your face maybe do a couple of ballads I think of you know a person who is doing really great as far as you know ballads go you look at Ozzy Osbourne Ooh, Ozzy. He has some of the greatest ballads in the history of ballads. And he also has his heavier music. You know, you look at his, his work with Sabbath, and even his solo stuff. And this man, throughout the years, has always met expectations. Because he didn't try to, like, drastically change, like, what his music was, you know? Like, all the way from, uh, uh, what, what was his... What was his debut album? Debut album's name. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's called um, uh, something tip my tongue. Something tip my tongue. It wasn't Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, it was Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's what it was. From Blizzard of Oz, that was 1980, by the way. All the way to his just recently released, you know, Ordinary Man. Fantastic record, by the way. Absolutely. I bought the record and I freaking love it. Just recently, you know, with with his new record, he did he had a ten. This is a ten year gap between now and his last record in 2010, which was Scream. That was 2010. It's been ten years since he released a new record. So here we are, 2020. Him releasing Ordinary Man. It is fantastic. Like ten years away from not making really any music. Just kind of keep it to himself, you know. He had Parkinson's. That's gonna be another topic for another for another episode. But the point is, is you know, like take theory again. Take theory of Dead Man. Whenever they made Medicate, you know, it was that was the one out of the ten hit on their 2017 album. Their new album that just came out in January this year is called um, uh, Say Nothing. I like about maybe five out of the ten songs on that album, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier. There's really, yeah, there's really only five songs on that album that I actually do enjoy. The rest are just kind of, they're just kind of mediocre. I think where a lot of bands got the idea to change their sound is due to one group in particular, Linkin Park. Linkin Park. They have, in my opinion, they put it off pretty well. But even then, we, we could see in their latest album, there's been that slight decline. Some songs that were absolute gems, but a lot of fans did not like the new sound. And I've grown to like the sound. And, you know, maybe maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to grow with some of these albums. But as of right now, I'm not liking the direction most bands are going in. And there are bands that are going in opposite directions as well, which are really playing out for the Bands going from softer to heavier. You look at I Prevail, for example. They, oh, they found a way 
to implement everything, you know, the wrapping, some electronics and some parts, even heavier and a softer side, and it just blends together into this beautiful masterpiece. But you also have the other side of the spectrum. Bands that have been on a sharp, sharp decline as far as quality goes. You see it in theory, you see it in Asking Alexandria. I'll give you I'll give you one more example for the rest of this podcast. And hear me out on this. Green Day. <laughs> see, at this point, ever since Green Day released their trilogy a couple of years back. You know, Uno, Dos, and Trust. Ever since they released those albums, like I said, a couple of hidden gems, but overall, decline in quality. And what's weird about them is they kept the same sound. You know, ever since American Idiot, they changed a couple of things here and there, but, you know, generally speaking, it's their roots. But I think Green Day is at this point now where people don't care you know they put the message out there a bunch of times the whole politics game the whole let's make a stand you know let's have a revolution let's rebel against society it's it's getting old you have to update your message you have to grow up for lack of a better term i mean we're you're not a 20 year old anymore you're not a teenager talking about how society sucks and war sucks and we know those things yeah, I we mean, we've, we've been living with those damn things for, you know, for a long time. We don't need it repeated a thousand times. And they just released a new, they released a new record this year, too. They released a new record, and let me tell you something, I didn't even know they were releasing a new record. You want to know why? Because nobody talked about it. I don't even think they even, like, uh, I don't think they even advertised it at all, or even, even if, tried to promote it. But if they did, then that was a failed attempt. Because I've, I've known Green Day for years, and I'm sure a lot of people have. As yeah, well. I've known them for a long time as well. But I, this album, it just flew right over everybody's head. It's I, almost it's almost like they they literally just flew a plane like in front of everyone of everyone in the world's face, and everyone just kind of just ignored it and just let it fly by, and they pretended it wasn't even there. This album, to me, is like a band releasing a B-side track. You're like, huh? But you don't really give it a listen. Because there's nothing new, there's nothing unique, you know? There are exceptions to that sometimes. Green Day, that's not an exception, but I'll give you one one final exception for that, for B-side. Diamonds in the Rough, Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, that was, that was a great, great... I listened to a lot of songs on that, uh, on that B-side, and holy crap, there were so many great songs on that, on that B-side. And that was this year, wasn't it? That, that was back in uh, February, I believe it was. There are so many great, great tracks, B-side tracks on Diamonds in the Rough. So, with that being said, do you have any, uh, you have any final words that you want to say? To anyone out there still listening to Green Day, you must be either really young or really stubborn. Give it up, man. All right, your childhood is over, your youth is over. You probably got gray hairs. All right, just accept your age and go listen to Pearl Jam. That's all for me. On a final note, I just want to say, you know, in my own words, you know, now, we're not walking on the boulevard of broken dreams anymore. 
we've we've all severely outgrown that phase. At this point, Green Day makes me want to buy twenty one guns and turn them on <laughs> myself. <laughs> wow. So anyway, with that being said, guys, um, we're gonna go ahead and end episode one of Music of Mass Destruction. We hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll see you guys in episode two. See you later, guys. Later. <laughs>